Crest is proud to have De La Salle North Catholic High School as our community partner for this season of the podcast. De La Salle is the most diverse private school in Oregon, offering a college preparatory education exclusively to low-income students, turning no one away because of their inability to pay. Known as a school that works, De La Salle's corporate work-study program has every student work one day a week at Portland-area companies, offsetting 50% of their tuition. The innovative curriculum provides the students with real-world experience, self-confidence, and ownership of their education. When we build stronger, thriving communities, we all benefit. Learn more on how your company can get involved by visiting DeLaSalleNorth.org. You know, our mission at Realware is to engage those frontline workers, make them more connected to their customer, more connected to their peers, more connected to their business. And then with this access to real-time information in the cloud, closing that last six inches of the IoT world to, to their mind, this knowledge transfer platform, allowing them to be empowered to do better work. Welcome to Think Beyond Space, the PDX Workplace Insider Podcast. I'm your host, Blake St. Ange, Principal for the Portland Office of Cressa, a global corporate real estate firm. From the people, the culture, and their thoughts on the future of work, we sit down with leaders from Portland's most respected companies to learn about what makes their workplaces tick. Subscribe at cressa.com slash Portland or wherever you find your podcasts. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. I am really excited to have the chairman and CEO of Realware with me today, Andrew Krastowski. We just had an awesome demo of their product and their tool. So, um, Andrew, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks so much, Blake. Excited to be here today. So, Andrew, we just had a chance to meet about an hour ago as we're walking through and, and going through the demo and starting to see the actual use cases of what you guys are building here at Realware. But before we get into all of that, I want to know more about you. Where did you come from? Right. I mean, we're, we're sitting here at Fort Vancouver and Fort Realware's headquarters. Uh, I know that you have a military background, but you've done so many things. And it seems like you're an engineer, too, when you're talking about the product. So I'd just be curious. Let's just walk through a little bit of your career journey and how you got to where you are now. Sure. So origin story. Let's see how we can do. I'm a physicist by training. So I actually uh, was an Air Force uh, cadet, went to Oregon State University, majored in engineering physics. I wanted to, knowing that I was going to go in the Air Force, I wanted to know how things actually worked, right? Think high energy, lasers, et cetera. I want to know the physics behind things, but I also want to be an engineer to know how you build it. How do you actually make something work? And so that was sort of the motivation in there. I also minored in German or got close to it. One, one class short of minoring in German was my fun, my fun class. And that turns out to be important later in my career. But so I, I had this passion for really understanding technology and how systems work together. I spent uh, nearly 10 years doing research and development as a physicist in the Air Force, worked on what they call command control, communications intelligence work, uh, went on to high energy systems, radar, RF systems, lasers, and then to space division in Los Angeles, where we worked on space-based assets. So there I got very interested in the whole problem of quality and, and major systems. And what I discovered as I got deeper and deeper into these major programs, as you're moving from, you know, how does the technology work to how do you get the technology built and deployed? I began to see that it wasn't just a, a question of physics and engineering. It was a people issue. And that's where I got my passion around organization and people, because everything you'd go, you'd say, oh, I'm just going to fix this program. It's right, going to be an right. engineering problem. Well, it would always be that, but it was really a people issue. So I got a master's degree in system, systems management from uh, USC down in Southern California, and then went beyond the Air Force as I left and started thinking about, you know, what other system problems are out there? So think quality. I actually met my wife at a, at a Deming seminar. Nice, uh, nice. So, uh, you know, Dr. Deming, one of his last public things, we talk about quality and system, was in the automotive industry, uh, learned quality manufacturing with Hitachi, 
went on to do and create a uh, Six Sigma manufacturing process for uh, Schick Wilkinson Sword, one of the world's largest razor and blades and super products companies. And then went back to my roots sort of later on in aerospace with uh, Goodrich Aerospace and UTC, and then into the industrial world. Or as I went through this whole arc of getting closer to the customer, understanding that technology, applying it in different ways. Uh, you know, I, I stopped off at Wharton and got some of my executive just, education. Just a, just a quick stop off. Just a quick Wharton. stop off okay. at Wharton uh-huh. while I was working, you uh-huh. know. And then, um, you know, you, you come back and you say, now I kind of understand the, the executive level of how things happen. How do you create right. teams? How do you do innovation? Uh, and so as, as that part of my career advanced, it really started moving back towards uh, startups where you really start seeing small groups of people with great ideas, trying to bring technology to market and, and do it in a way that's efficient and successful. And that's really the, the nexus that got me into the, the orbit of real work. Jeez. So are you from Oregon? Uh, I went to high school in Oregon. Okay. Uh, as I said, went to graduate from Oregon State University, but I was actually born in Washington, D.C. So grew up in Virginia and Utah and then uh, on to and Oregon. Then Oregon yeah. And then went to Oregon State. Wow. So uh, my first question, I'm just thinking, like, what drive? I mean, f- first of all, physics is like, you know, I, is an incredible focus. But what drove you to do that? And then, I mean, there's got to be some sort of drive behind you from a leadership perspective, mm-hmm. too. Did you learn that growing up? Did you learn that through school? Is it just as you've built your career? I mean, what, where does that come from? I, I think people come with natural curiosity and maybe have curiosity about different yeah. things. I, I was one of these people who had, uh, and actually had a, a school of thought about the idea of the, of the expanding sphere. So if you imagine you sitting at the center of a sphere, and this is a thought I had as a child, right? And everything that's inside the sphere, you're an expert on. You know, you know how it works. You know how to do it. You feel comfortable. Right. You might say it's your comfort zone, right? right? Right, My visualization as a child was my goal in life was to push that expanding sphere out further and further so that more and more things in the world, in this great, big, beautiful, exciting world, this universe, were under, you know, inside the sphere, not on the outside. Yeah. Right. And so that was my curiosity that drove me towards physics and understanding how things work. I mean, it's totally built in your DNA. Yeah. It's, it's a thousand percent. And, and my military background came from my dad, who was uh, served in both World War II and Korea in the Navy. And so I knew from the beginning that I was going to be, you know, in, in the military, thought about that, knew that it was going to be a place where I was going to go and serve and felt very passionate about that. And so I actually had choices as a high school senior to go to the Naval Academy, go to uh-huh. Naval ROTC or to Air Force ROTC. And ultimately yeah. I chose the Air Force. That's what you did. Wow. So as we get into the, the the last two years, I mean, so you you came in and correct me if I'm wrong. You came in as as chairman and CEO a couple of years ago at, mm-hmm. at Realware. So maybe at the sort of dawn of what's going on now from a pandemic perspective, maybe just a little bit before that. So how'd you get to Realware? Mm-hmm. I mean, you talked a little bit about uh, what your background and then sort of getting back into the people, the mm-hmm. you know small organization, people trying to do things and then implement and do that. How'd you hear about Realware? What, what, like, what's what's that? You know, dive a little bit deeper in what that piece is because there's so much around that. And as we did the demo, your passion around what it is that you guys are building here is palpable. So I, I'd love to 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 dive into that. Yeah. So it's it's really a one click down on that story is that I was hired by George Oller, who's the, now the the CEO of uh, Johnson Controls, one of the largest IoT yeah. companies in the world. Yeah. You think smart buildings, etc. At the time, he was the CEO of of Tyco. And he had a business called Scott Safety that, and, and some assistance with part of life safety products there that he was trying to do what I call a hot transition. He was trying to take that company from a holding company to an operating company to a technology company. And that was one of the first executives he hired to come in and say, help me make this transformation. Yeah. And so this company was all about, you know, fundamentally 
firefighters, right? So think of all the movies you've seen, the firefighters with the face mask, the right. respirator, the tank, right, and right. the accoutrement that goes with that. And so I knew a lot of things, as you said, I was in the automotive industry, I was in computer industry, I was in you know consumer products, but I'd never really had firefighters as a customer experience. So the first thing I did when I got there was went to Texas A&M and got trained as an interior firefighter. I actually am certified in that. Is I that right? That. Really? So, so yeah. if this executive thing never works out. What aren't out, you trained in? I mean, yeah. holy cow. So, so I learned that. And what I learned was everything you ever saw in the movies about fighting a fire yeah. was, was just not true, surprisingly. Yeah. Shockingly, uh-huh. not, not correct. Uh-huh. But I went back to my, my infrared. I had gone to the infrared school at, at Wright-Patterson while I was in the Air Force and thinking about what we could do. I said, we're going to make the firefighter the future. We're going to make them safer and more, more effective because we're going to give them predator vision inside their, their helmets. So we created in just uh, literally about 17 months, we went from napkin to a certified device, which is incredible in that industry, to put a thermal imaging system for a firefighter. So now you've got a heads-up display, thermal imaging. Every firefighter now can see what's happening in the dark and, and work more safely and effectively. Now, as soon as you've got that display in front of somebody, the first thing you think of is now, how do I put information on that? How do I connect right, to it? So right. now you immediately go to this idea of, I could have a connected first responder. Think about the incident commander, people in there. So it's like, I need to be able to push information to that, that first responder and do things with it. That leads you to connectivity, start asking questions about how would one do that. That put me into the orbit of some of the companies that, that work in this space. Right. I met the then chairman of um, Realware, who then said, I've got something I want to show you. And when I saw the original prototypes of the HMT-1, I said, this is that vision implemented for the connected frontline worker. Yeah. And so the transition was immediately like, this is now, this is and all the, the excitement you've had yeah. of yeah. seeing what, what you could do, the, the, the imagination you can drive and create. It's like, this is going to work. And so I was excited about it. I was asked to come on as the chairman of the advisory board to help the you know, founding CEO and the yeah. board think about developing this product and developing a company that could compete and support these you know, global companies. And by the way, today, 41 of the top Forbes 100 companies are our customers. So I mean, are you we- kidding me? Yeah. So it's for a little company here in Washington. Well, I you might have like, a, you know, Fortune 2000 and yeah. us, you know, looking at what we did earlier. So, so, so add so, that to the list. Yeah. I love it. So, so we, we think about that and, and, and began to work through it. I became an investor because I, I thought of the future of the company. Yeah. And then- uh, as we got through our our Series A round, yeah. it was clear that we were going to be doubling every quarter. Right, and the, for a hardware company, that the expression in venture capital is hardware is hard, right? Mm-hmm. And it is because you've got supply chain issues, you've got actual get things where you need to go rather than just build some more code and and uh, you know hit send five thousand times, right, right? Right. So I said, I'd look, I'll step in as the the chief operating officer. I'll kind of put the front end SNOP process together. I'll put in the the sales drive. We'll kind of control that. Uh, and uh, that allowed the rest of the management team to focus on raising money, being effective uh, converts out there, really yeah. being effective spokespeople for the technology. And then I stepped back out after the series, you know, as we get into the series B and back into my advisory role. Come, you know, February of 2020, it was really a transition time for the company. And uh, the, the board asked me to, to, to come back on the board as a board member this time. Uh, which I accepted. And then, um, because I, I, I do have a background in board governance, so I'm a, a National Association <laughs> of Corporate Directors certified director. Uh, so board governance is something I'm trained in. Yeah. They asked me to come on to do that. They then made me chairman. And shortly after, they asked me to step in as CEO. So I kind of got, you know- Wow, that, in sucked, a short time. Right, in a short time. So now it's March of 2020. 
we had literally one meeting in this building. In fact, in the conference room that's just over about 50 feet from us. Yeah. With my team and said, now most of these people I knew because I had been involved with the company from almost the beginning, but never really had in this leadership role of, of this is my team. Now imagine you get one meeting and the next day the governor says, you got to shut down. So all of the change management, all of the leadership development, all the team building now has to be done remotely without the ability to kind of do everything I learned as an officer, everything I learned as an executive, as a frontline leader, you now have to do remotely to kind of bring the team through. And by the way, in a very challenging global pandemic right. where lots of things are changing, right. in a year, by the way, that we tripled our sales over the previous year. So all of that done is really interesting story. A little bit long answer to a, to a short well, question. Well, I mean, I just, it's just getting back to just thinking about you are so, I mean, as a, as a, as a leader, so well-trained and I mean, through all of your education, mm -hmm. right. Through, uh, Wharton, SC and OHS or OSU, all of that. And then one day it throws seemingly a good portion of all that, like you just, you know, mm -hmm. all that sort of leadership and executive management and dealing and it, all the things that, that you sort of been used to have, have had, a, have had a lead and just sort of, I, I wouldn't say threw it out the window, mm -hmm. but to a certain point just said, no. Hands are up. Okay. Now what? So, so all the traditional training and things, what did you do in March of so, 2020? I mean, how, what, what did that look like? And how did you guys come together and say, okay, what do we do next? Yeah. Great. It's a great question. And it goes back to something I learned early in my career uh, in, in the automotive industry when I would, you know, when I was sorry to solve problems, had been out there on the floor for a long time. And, and what I would do, as I learned as an officer, you go to the front line, you go to the people who are doing the work, yeah. right? And so you'd ask questions. And what I discovered by doing that, I learned an expression that, that uh, someone said, you know, for a carpet dweller, you're not too bad a guy. And I asked this worker and she, I said, I don't understand it. What do you mean a carpet dweller? And she pointed to the ground and said, I work on concrete. Everybody over there, the engineers, the executives, they live on carpet. Oh, interesting. And, and so, you know, as we talked about problems, I realized mm -hmm. it's the same thing that you would do in the military. You go to the front line to understand what's happening. Right. And so that daily touch, that going to Gemba, as we call it in, in, in Japan, right? It's like the understanding what's happening at the front line was something that I was passionate about. So when we couldn't do it here, yeah. what we did is we, we began immediately a daily stand-up. So I meet with my staff every day, eight o'clock. We all get together on, on, on every a, day. every day on a Microsoft Teams call. And we understand how can we help each other? What are the challenges today? What do we need to do? And it gives that connectivity that, that right. and we, we do things like we would do throwback Thursdays a little bit, have a little bit of fun with it and say, right, here's right. learn about each other. Yeah. We take our work here at Real World very, very seriously. We try not to take ourselves too seriously. So we do that daily, build that up. And then I started with weekly all hands for the whole global team. How many, how many people How many people are at RealWare? About 120 globally. right now, uh, okay. going up probably be 130 by the time you know, this yeah. is out. But, but yeah. we're growing, so yeah. it's, it's right. happening. But back, back then, roughly 100 people in the organization. Yeah. So we would do a weekly call because nature abhors a vacuum, right? So people fill with doubt, fear, right. uncertainty. Yep. Yep. You know, and, and you've got a global pandemic happening, a new CEO, lots of business challenges, right? right. So we just started having a weekly call. Uh, and then is that, you know, and, and uh, people begin to understand and open questions about that, a lot of transparency. And it was like, okay, every two weeks is okay. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, hey guys, you know, would you monthly okay? Yeah. And we kind of now got that monthly cadence. And then we'd add on to that, we go to CEO small group meetings. So we'd bring together 12 or so people, not with their supervisors, right? And then we'd have a one-on-one -on -one conversation or a many-to-one -one conversation yeah. with me yeah. about what's happening in the business. So, yeah. you know, the long answer to your question is about connectivity. It's about helping to, to bridge that gap. Uh, it's hard to do. I don't think anybody in the world has figured this whole hybrid thing out, yeah. right? And so we're all learning, but I had a couple of advantages. One, 
I've had some really great leadership experiences, everything from uh, doing earthquake recovery from the Great Northridge earthquake on my first day on the job to creating the leadership program for Goodrich. Uh, so, uh, oh, you know, really? So when I was at Goodrich, um, I remember being in, uh, we were in LAX with my boss. And we were talking, he was a military pilot, helicopter pilot, yeah. I, my Air Force background. We were bemoaning the lack of people understanding the difference between management and leadership, right? You lead people, you manage things and processes, right? And we, we, we were saying, how do we, how do we help that without having the background we have? So we created a leadership academy, a full immersive experience for Goodrich executives that actually was, we started with our business and then it, it grew and was adopted by corporate to everybody director above was going through this week long immersive program on yeah. leadership. So we built the curriculum, we built yeah. the experiences. And so you take all that learning about that, about leadership as an as a experience in military, your front experience with working with people and creating value. And now you say, how do I do that in this hybrid environment? Uh, because it's all about people and culture at the end of the day. I mean, especially now in my role as, as CEO, my job is not to, to make things happen in the business. I'm, I'm the coach. I'm here to help other people have the tools, resources right, to, to right. do what they need to do. Yeah. You know, my basic job is don't run out of money, yeah. you know, have a good strategy, <laughs> yeah, though, you know, yeah. manage the board. Right? Yeah. So uh, with all the hybrid sort of world going on, I would imagine the real world product is, has been, I mean, I just looked at it from all the things that we've been doing in the last two years and sort of had an aha moment like, well, shit, we need to start using something like that. So have you guys, what's, what's the sort of growth trajectory look like in the last couple of years? Have you, has there been a significant amount of, of adoption across Absolutely. the globe with the product? A Absolutely. I mean, we have, we have now 60,000 units deployed. We're, we're by far the market leader in this space. Wow. Over 5,000 customers at various levels of, of engagement. As yeah. I said, 41 of the top 100. Yeah. You know, no, Forbes is, is amazing. Astounding. And, and probably, you know, more than a, almost a hundred of the of the top, you know, global two thousand, the top one hundred there. So, so we really have done that. And, and as I mentioned, and, and when we were taking the tour, yeah, we launched this company, and we're the real and realware. We really think there's, uh, you know, when we announced the Navigator five hundred, which we we were demonstrating with you earlier, yeah, we launched that on uh, December eighth of twenty twenty one. We shipped the same day, right? Um, when we launched this company, we went live. We were certified in fifty countries. Uh, because we knew that we were going to be selling to global customers like Colgate, Palmolive, and others yeah. who would be deploying this in their various global plants. You couldn't say, well, you can use it in the U.S., but you can't use it in Venezuela. You how can't do you, use it in China. How do you do that so quickly? Like, well, I mean, what, just in terms of a like comparison, how, how hard is that? Because I don't know. But mm -hmm. it, like, it, to be, I would imagine to be certified in that many countries is a pretty unbelievable feat. So, it's, it's and a, that quickly. It's a, yeah, it's about planning, right? It's about having that as a concept. Uh, I often say it's like, it's, it's, uh, always easier to do something right the first time than go back and redo it, right? So we knew that we were going to have this approach. So as you go forward, you understand the requirements, right? And, and, and you think about what's needed for that. And then you line up those resources and you just knock them off as you go. So as you're developing it, you, you know what's going to be compliant. And then it's a matter of, yeah. of filling in the, in the blanks and doing that. And some of it just takes time. Once you've got that established, some countries take longer than others. And, yeah. you, know, you know, some of them came after launch for the ones that have longer time. But, you know, 50 were done before we got to day one. Yeah. So what, what have you learned as a leader? You, Andrew, I mean, all from, from your, I would say, maybe focus on maybe the last two years, but what you've gone through at RealWare. But like, I mean, really in your whole leadership career. Mm -hmm. What have you learned about yourself? And that thing, and that changes, I would imagine, often. I know it does for me. It changes, like, you just, there's always little learnings. But 
in the last 18 months, two years, what have you learned as a, as a leader, as a person? Yeah, I, I think when I look at the last 18 months, two years of oh, what's happened here specifically, and, and there's a lot of things that just validated learnings that I've had, but became really clear. And, and what I'm so proud of, of this team at Realware is it became obvious to me that imagination is far more a limiting factor for a company than capital. What this company has done with limited capital, with a small team, to change the future of work, to really change way, literally tens of thousands of people, how they do their job more safely, more productive. We probably saved tons of more jobs during the pandemic because people who wouldn't otherwise be able to keep their businesses running, right. you know, kept their jobs yeah. because they could keep yeah. their companies running. And talk about having a green impact. You know, uh, for a company our size, when you start having global customers like Exxon not having to fly people all around yeah. the world to take yeah. somebody like you know Goodyear where they don't have to pay you know ten thousand dollars per trip plus all the the, the greenhouse gases so yeah. traveling, we have a huge impact on changing the way yeah. these footprints work for these global customers. So to me, it's this idea that imagination is the most important part of that, and that's always a piece of of what it is to be human, and that's. This connection to humanity and being a human-centric technology company has just come home to me as we worked at that. And we talked about the future, right? And the future, I like to say demographics is destiny, right? And that just means that if you look today, there's a shortage of workers. We read about it in the press all the right, time, right? right? Skilled workers are at a, at a premium. Right. This is a demographic trend. It's not an accident, right? There are fewer skilled workers, and it's going to be true for decades to come. That means companies have to find a way to get the work done. Right. You have two choices. You can automate people out of that system, right? Or you can make the people who come on board more agile, right. faster learners, right. come up the learning curve more quickly, and therefore be able to feel better about themselves. So, you know, our mission at Realware is to engage those frontline workers, make them more connected to their customer, more connected to their peers, right. Right. more connected to their business. Yeah. And then with this access to real-time information in the cloud, closing that last six inches of the IoT world to, to their mind, this knowledge transfer platform, allowing them to be empowered to do better work. Yeah. And that's fulfilling for a human being. It oh, makes their absolutely. life better. And that ultimately raises their level of, uh, elevates their level of performance, which is great for their enterprise. Yeah. I would say, uh, just in terms of listening to your, your journey and where you are now, that, that ingenuity and that curiosity that you had as a child toward pushing the sphere that's been, it seems to be a North Star throughout your entire career. And it might take different facets up or down or sideways, but it's always, it seems it's always been that North Star where it's like, okay, well, let's, let's keep pushing a little bit. Let's figure out where we can. And the connectivity piece is a, a huge, huge part of that. And what, what you guys are doing just in, in me actually living it, even, even for 10 minutes, you know, it was like that, that the connectivity has been critical in the last, last couple of years. And I think that's, uh, I mean, what you guys are doing is, is incredible. For someone that, that's got so much experience like you, there's probably a lot of people out there when I ask a question like, you know, who would you want to have coffee or a cocktail mm -hmm. with in history, past or present or whatever? So there's, I'm sure there's probably people out there that would say you because of, I mean, all the things that you have done in your career and the things that you, I mean, you're, you're a change maker, to be mm -hmm. honest. So what about for you, though? Yeah. Who would that be for you? Uh, that's that's a really difficult question because we could go from you know in that sphere right you get everything from philosophy religion history right you know so it's a huge thing right I, I think I'll go with with something a little bit more current and, and we think about you know Virgin and what's happened uh, with with Virgin and, and their businesses and you take somebody uh, I would love to sit down with Sir Richard Branson yeah. on Necker Island <laughs> kick back with and he yeah. he does these meetings barefoot so yeah. it's like uh -huh. barefoot in the sand yeah. talking about 
all of his life experiences where he's done everything from solo ballooning to being part of a space program, you know, winning the X Prize with his you know, support from that, all the things that he's done uh, really in terms of, of, of building that business. And then you know, he overcame personal uh, limitations. Uh, he's a dyslexic. Right? He had a tough time in conventional education. And so he's really found a way to connect with people and do it in a wide variety of industries. So I think I could, it would be yeah. A, a lot of fun, and oh. be an educational yeah, experience. Yeah, I think that's, I, I would take that coffee uh, or a cocktail for like four weeks. I, I, just I, I think I mean, it's probably going to have an umbrella in it if yeah. you're on Necker Island yeah. with, with Sir Branson, but you know. Yeah, so. no kidding. That, what a great answer. So for those that that may not know about you or may not mm-hmm. know much about Realware, hopefully they know a lot more now uh, you know, as, we're, mm-hmm. as we're having the conversation, but where can they find, where can they learn more about you? Where, where can they find you if you want people to find you? And then, uh, and more about realware. Where can they where can they go? The first and most important part of your answer is realware.com because we we have a number of use cases, uh, a number of videos that you can connect to. We have a YouTube channel that's really exciting. You can dig in and see people really using the device to create value. And so, I'd recommend anyone who wants to know more about the future of work, you know, can go there and kind of get a glimpse into and stimulate their own imagination yeah. as to what is possible in their industry and in their business. For myself, I'm very active on LinkedIn. Uh, so, you know, you know, please follow me on LinkedIn. Uh, if we've met, you get a connection, happy to, to connect with you. But I post a lot about the future of work. Yeah, yeah. I talk a lot about leadership. Yeah. I talk about innovation in those platforms. And so, including Twitter. So you can find me at Andrew, Andrew Krastowski on LinkedIn or uh, A. A. Crosto at, at, uh, at Twitter. And we can maybe put those links for somebody. Yeah, yeah we'll definitely do that. Yeah. You know. Well, Andrew, thanks so much for the time. Thanks for the demo. Thanks for just like sharing your journey, your leadership journey, your passion for what you're doing at RealWare. It was just uh, a pleasure to come up here. And I just appreciate, you know, the, the opportunity and you saying yes to, to join me. And yeah, looking forward to seeing what you got going on even more in the future. Blake, it's what a pleasure. Thank you so much. I can't believe the time's already gone by. Yeah, I know. Uh, we'll have to I do know. this again yeah. for version two sometime. Yeah, absolutely. We'll do that. We'd love to. Great. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you for listening to Think Beyond Space, the PDX Workplace Insider Podcast. To follow along and get additional insights from each episode, visit cressa.com slash Portland. Please also take a minute to rate and subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts.